0: sports talk mississippi's brian haydad along with joel coleman of the startville daily news give you an inside look at the bulldogs on the field the court and the diamond now get ready for thunder and lightning this is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo. here with you on a Friday morning. We could not be more pleased that you have joined us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts. Thank everybody for tuning in here on this Friday morning, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We are so glad you've joined us. I want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House. Right now, don't forget, they have the drive through window over there on the Highway 12 location. They have the... Uh, Walk-up window at the University Drive location so you can keep your social distance and you can keep getting the coffee and the caffeine and all the other great stuff that Strange Brew has to offer. Their baristas are always happy to see you. They will always take care of you and uh, give you that great service. We can't wait for uh, everything to get back up and running so we can start talking about churning spoon ice cream again. But right now, if you need a little push to get through the day, to get through this quarantine, change it from a quarantine to a – I'm trying to make it work phonetically
1: caffeine teen that doesn't really work
0: i'm gonna work on that over the weekend
1: yeah that that was terrible it but, was not but, great
0: but we get the point you know what sometimes the effort is what you want uh don't forget also you know when you when you're looking for, to, to shop online and ship things to your house msu related college corner store is where you want to head you want to go over there right now go to their brand new design well well redesigned uh website and check out their incredible selection of msu merchandise when we get back together this fall, which looks like it's going to be on a Thursday after all, what do we say, 90% that's going to happen? I think that's what we both got. Uh, if the season comes off, we're going to be playing uh, New Mexico, Mississippi State, at, uh, I guess, prime time on a Thursday night. You want to have that brand new, climalite, light, you know, breathable material. You want that. They've got you taken care of there when you shop online. College Corner Ease store. the
1: quarantine with caffeine. While wearing the colors of your team. If you know what I mean.
0: That would have only been better if you had it written down on a frisbee to throw out to people. (laughs) Because it was genius. (laughs) All right. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to have some fun. Uh, Go by the bay. It's May. Just May. may.
1: What do you say? (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) No. i mean what are we doing here we're losing our minds and we're only two bear, weeks into the this ninth thing. green and nine uh <laughs> gold jacket green jacket who gets <laughs>
0: uh, you can count on me waiting for you <laughs> in, the in the parking, parking lot, lot. Uh, <laughs> Joel, you want to go to Sizzler after this? Uh, I don't know how we got on Happy Gilmore. I don't know, but I'm ha- I'm glad we did. My, my treat.
1: <laughs> Jackass.
0: Uh, we are going to have fun today, it looks like. All right. It's good. We're, you know what? We're not going to live without March Madness here on, on Thunder and Lightning. We've been giving you the Bulldog Bracket. Now it's time to relive some great MSU uh, memories. We've got two fantastic... Uh, Interviews today, and we're going to relive some of MSU's best March moments. You tell me, Joel, which one do you want to start with?
1: Uh, I say we go in order. Let's uh, let, let let's win the SEC championship along with Richard Williams. All right.
0: We'll come back from this in just a moment and tell you about uh, our thoughts on this game. But let's start with Coach Richard Williams. We talked to him earlier this week. Mississippi State-Kentucky, 1996. State takes down number one in the Superdome. Let's get into that game. All right, this is our double dose of March Madness, uh, Mississippi State style, if you will. We've got Coach Richard Williams on the line with us today. We're going to talk about Mississippi State versus Kentucky. Coach, I know you guys, I know coaches love to play the nobody believed in us card, but for this game, I think you were telling the truth if you played that card because outside of that locker room, there couldn't have been a lot of, of belief that Mississippi State was going to pull this game off. What was, the, what was the mindset and the mentality in the locker room?
2: Well, that was a team uh, at that point in the season where uh, you know we were really playing well. Uh, We were playing good basketball, and that team thought they could beat anybody. Uh, They really did. And I remember telling the the, uh, media, and it it might have been the CBS people who were broadcasting the game, but somebody, uh, you know, they were talking about uh, uh, Kentucky and how good they were. And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure we could beat Kentucky in a series three out of five or four out of seven. I said, but that's not what we have to do. We just have to win one game. One game against Kentucky, that's all we have to do. And I I tried to make sure the players knew that the coaches believed in them, uh, that we were good enough. Uh, You know, I didn't mention to them that uh, Kentucky had uh, nine guys on their team that eventually played in the NBA. We didn't run that by them. They they could figure that out for themselves. Uh, You know, I tell people all the time, in that game that Sunday afternoon in in, uh, New Orleans in the Superdome, 11 players. Played in that one game that at some point in their career played in the NBA. Uh, nine of those players were on that Kentucky basketball team. I don't know if there's ever been a team with that many NBA players before or since. Uh, I think it's one of the great college basketball teams of all time. But as I said, at that point in the season, we were playing really well, and Dante Johnson had kind of bought into how we were trying to play and what we were trying to do, and he was certainly a difference in that game.
0: And, you know, we'll get, we'll get to Dante for sure at some point. Looking back at this game, you know, for the first part of the first half, this was a very back and forth game. It seemed like somebody would go up by two, tie up. Somebody would go up by three, tie it up. Nobody could ever get a, a foothold for for basically the first half of the first half. When did you start getting the the inclination that okay, things are shots are starting to fall for us? We're playing good defense. We, we, we got a real chance here.
2: Well, we we were defending, and that that's what we did. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I know going through the SEC tournament into the to the NCAA tournament, uh, teams were shooting less than forty percent against us because we were really good defensively. Uh, you know, Daryl Wilson and, and Marcus Bullard were two strong, physical, uh, both of them really good defensive players. Russell Walters was a, a, a good defensive player. Eric Dampier was just uh, you know such a rim protector. And then Dante, as I said, by that point in the season, he was actually trying to guard somebody. Uh, so that made us really good defensively. and We could rebound it. Uh, the thing I remember about that game is if we didn't turn it over, we scored. We were shooting the ball really well against Kentucky. Uh, we, we turned it over too much, uh, but that's one of the things that they caused was, was turnovers. But we got some easy baskets also. Uh, I can remember we threw long against them two or three times. I, I think against teams like Kentucky that are committed to the press, uh, just totally committed to the press, at some point or points in the game, you have to throw over the top at the risk of throwing the ball out of bounds. You just cannot let them keep pressing up and pressing up and pressing up. You have to throw the ball over the top. And and when you do throw it over the top, even if you throw it out of bounds, and, and I honestly would tell the players this. I've told them this before that game. If you, if you dribble the ball up the sideline, keep it off the sideline. But if you get it to the sideline and you get trapped, don't just throw a pass hoping one of our players will catch it. If nothing else, just throw it out of bounds. And that way, then we get to set our defense. Uh, I didn't want live ball turnovers, and they didn't get a lot of easy baskets on our turnovers. Uh, but, you know, I, I knew that we were really guarding well, we were shooting well, so I knew we had a chance.
1: Coach, you guys had obviously played Kentucky earlier that season and what I believe was the SEC home opener and uh, didn't go so well that night. And things. Was there anything in particular that you took into the SEC tournament championship game that you learned on that – that first the first meeting did anything carry over at all that that helped out on on, on this particular night in the Superdome?
2: Well, I, I think it did. Uh, first of all, you know that first game. There's some things I remember about that that uh, Kentucky game. You know, we had we had uh, beaten here before uh, at Rupp Arena. First time in the history of our university that we ever won a game at Rupp Arena, and so we went in and won that game the year before, uh, and, and so we knew we could play against Kentucky now. What some people forget is we lost three starters off that basketball team that went to the Sweet 16. Uh, 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 T.J. Honore, Marcus Grant, Brian Price were all three starters on that team, so we lost those guys. But we knew that we had a plan against Kentucky that would work if we just didn't turn it over too much. The thing I remember about the game in Starville, uh in that 95-96 season, it was a close game uh, up until – about midway through the second half, and then they went on one of those Kentucky runs. I think they went on a run where they outscored us like 15, 16 points. So the final score uh, made it look a lot worse than it was. Uh, we, we felt like for parts of that game we could compete with Kentucky. And again, that was early in the season where Dante Jones didn't really understand his role. He, he was not uh, really bought into the defensive end of it. And, and we, as coaches, were still trying to figure out what his role would be on our team, offensively and defensively, trying to figure out our substitution patterns, things like that. So, uh, you know, we just knew from that game that if we played uh, 40 minutes of, of intense basketball, 40 minutes of really guarding Kentucky like we were capable of guarding, that we would have a chance to
0: win a game. And, and you talk about defensively, 24-72 shooting for Kentucky, 33.3%. You guys shoot 54.3%. even with the 19 turnovers, that that appears to to a person like me that that I see the difference in the game right there is that you guys made shots and Kentucky didn't. Defensively, what was the game plan against them?
2: Well, you know, defensively our game plan was generally the same against most teams. Uh, We we were not a team that was going to go out and deny the next pass. Uh, We didn't do that. Uh, I didn't know what the pack line defense was at that time, which – uh, the Bennett family's made so famous, and Tony Bennett now at Virginia has made this pack-line defense so famous. And, and, and that's kind of the way we play defense. Now, we would get out and deny some passes, but that's not what we were. I didn't have a problem teams reversing the ball against us from side to side as long as the ball was not being uh, advanced toward the goal. I didn't want it going toward the basket. So we would get off these gaps and take away drives and things like that. And we knew we had Eric Dampier back there. Uh, the, the difference maker on that team, as good as, as Daryl Wilson was, as good as Dante Jones was, and all the other guys, the difference maker on that team was Eric Campier. He would give you a chance every time you went out when he was locked in on that defensive end because you knew if you got beat on the dribble uh, or, or on back cut, something like that, he could erase some of those defensive mistakes some of the other players made. Uh, but we, we didn't have any particular game plan defensively against them other than just uh, we knew what some of their sets were, and we tried to take away some of those sets. Uh, the thing that we knew on the other end, offensively, we knew they were going to double-team Eric. Every time he touched the ball, that's that's Rick Pitino's. Uh, that, that's the way he defended. And he didn't do it uh, necessarily to because Eric was such a great offensive player. Uh, I heard Rick one time speak at a clinic, uh, and I went to hear him, and, and he talked about double-teaming the post, and his philosophy was, You double-team the post guy and trap him because he's normally the worst ball handler on the team. So they were trying to create turnovers when they double-teamed the post. Well, Eric Dampier was a great passer out of the post. Not only a really good passer, but a willing passer. And I can remember so many instances in that game where they would double-team Eric. He would fan the ball out to an open shooter, and we'd just have wide-open shots. So we had more of a game plan offensively To take advantage of things that we did defensively.
0: Well, let's talk about the offense, and and specifically, let's talk about Dante Jones, who had one of the all-time great performances in maroon and white on on that day. Twenty-eight points, uh, eleven rebounds, was just really. If you want to talk about a player being in the zone, that's what you would say for for Dante Jones coming into this game. Did you have a feeling he was he was going to provide that kind of performance?
2: Well, I didn't know that he'd have that kind of performance. But, you know, he had been playing well, and, and he was MVP of the tournament. Yep. So that was not the only good game he had in the tournament, although that, uh, against that team at that point in time, it's probably the best game he had at Mississippi State. Uh, but, but he had finally figured it out, and, and, and I had figured out where to get him the ball uh, and, and the places he liked to score and the places he liked to shoot. Of course, he liked to shoot from anywhere. Uh, you know, yeah, he, he, he felt like if he was in the gym, he was open. And so that, that's part of the issues we had early in the year for Dante, trying to make him understand that, you know, every shot's not a good shot. And you have other players on the team. Uh, you know, just to get off that subject, just to well, still talking about Dante, I'll never forget early in the year. We I don't remember who we were playing, and Dante was just terrible. He was taking it. Every time he touched he shot it. And I went in the locker room at halftime, I'll never forget. I said, Dante, let me explain something to you. You see that number double zero sitting right there? His name's Daryl Wilson. He's going to take more shots this year than you're going to take. You need to understand that. And that big number 25 right there, Eric Dampier, he's going to get more shots than you're going to get. And Dante's eyes got really big like they would do when I'd talk to him like that. He kind of shook his head. And that's the way we had to, to treat him every once in a while. And he could take coaching, believe it or not. People, people think Dante was hard to coach. He was not hard to coach. He was fun to coach. But now he could be frustrated because he was so talented that he'd always maybe go get a shot anytime he wanted to. And at that level, he's playing against other great players. So sometimes those shots that he would get in junior college, he couldn't get those uh, in Division One basketball. So it just took him a while to figure it out. And and once he figured it out and we figured out what, how to use him, he was a difference maker. And I think down the stretch, the starting SEC tournament through the NCAA tournament, he was as good a player as there was in the country. There's no question about that.
1: I think one day... Coach, we need to get you back and just do a Dante Jones episode because I think I could just I could just hear you tell Dante Jones stories. I think all day long and, and be be entertained by that. But, I have some good ones, I promise. <laughs> there are some, really good, some I can't repeat on the air. <laughs> uh, when you guys leave the Superdome this day, having defeated Kentucky, is there? I guess hindsight being what it is now, of course you guys were a Final Four team, but. You had to feel like you had a legitimate chance to, to get to where you guys got to and beyond just based on the fact you beat Kentucky, right? I mean, how much confidence did you guys have for how far this March run was going to go when you left the Superdome?
2: Well, I don't know that, that, that me individually, I don't know how the other coaches felt or how the other players, I, I, I never looked that far ahead. And I know the cliche is, you know, one game at a time and all that kind of stuff, but it, it really is true At that point in the season, we knew we were good, obviously, because, you know, we were able to beat Kentucky. The the fear I had uh, was not how far can we go. The fear I had was are we going to have a letdown in our first game in the tournament? Because beating Kentucky to win the SEC Tournament Championship, that was a huge game. That team only lost two games all year. They lost to UMass early in the year. They lost that game to us. and That's it. That's the only two games they lost all year. So I was afraid we were going to have a letdown going into the tournament, and, and we did have a little bit of a letdown. We drew D.C.U. the first game of the tournament, uh, coached by one of my best friends in coaching, Sonny Smith, and it was a struggle. Uh, it, we really struggled to get by them, and uh, we had to have some guys off the bench to to help us there. Bart Height had a, a really a good game. They made a couple of key baskets for us. So that was the fear I had. I felt like if we could get past the first game, then we would be okay. We could relax. Get that Kentucky game out of our mind, and then continue to play. But we really just kind of took it. What's the next game? Who's the next opponent? How do we prepare for them?
0: I asked Darrell Wilson this question. I'm going to ask you now. From this whole run of March, what's the the, the thing? When I say talk about it, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you?
2: Well, uh, you know, it, it's there's so many things. Uh, you know, and, and I don't know if I've been asked that question. Uh, the thing that comes to mind. After it's over, after it was all over, uh, you, you think back uh, about really how meaningful it was and what it really meant. And when, when you're going through it, uh, you don't really realize what you're doing. You're just trying to get ready for that next game, get ready for that next opponent. You know, here comes Princeton, who had just upset UCLA, and here comes uh, Connecticut, then Cincinnati, all of these high-profile teams that you read about and you see on TV all the time. So we just have to get ready for those games. But then after it's all over, you think about, you know, wow, this is a big deal. This is something that was not only important for our university, for our basketball program. This is important for the state of Mississippi uh, because it's never been done before and has not been done since by any team from the state of Mississippi. And I, I think it let the nation understand that we play pretty good basketball in Mississippi. Uh, you know, they're, they're good coaches. They're good players and those are some of the things that, that i remember about it that i, t- I kind of take away from it other than just how well our guys were playing what a great group of kids they were and and how much fun they were to coach and how much fun they were having during that run
0: it was a lot of fun to watch from the stands i promise you that coach and i i, I those are memories I, I will always treasure uh being part of a lot of those games in the stands and, you know and as far as i followed you so thanks for your time today coach we really really appreciate it and uh this uh, a March Without March Madness. We tried to bring a little bit of it uh, to the show today. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Coach.
0: All right, thanks to Coach Williams for joining us on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. All of our interviews here on Thunder and Lightning are brought to you by our friends at Welcome Home Beef who want to remind you that a quick phone call to 662-418-2021. Or a visit to facebook.com/slash/welcomehomebeef can you will allow you to place an order that the guys will bring directly to your car and you can be enjoying USDA prime beef tonight. We're talking about steaks, fillets, ribeyes, strip steaks. They've got it all. Burgers, not just ground chuck. You know they got some great blends over there as well. And if you just want to do something, you know, you, I mean, Lord knows we've got nothing but time. You want to slow cook a roast? Well, they'll give you some of the best cuts you've ever seen. They'll get you taken care of also with some great side dishes. They're fantastic twice-baked potatoes, some of those incredible dough hot tamales. They've just got it all over there. You need to go check them out. Get dinner taken care of and get it taken care of with USDA, prime beef, locally sourced, grain-fed. These guys, the Sanders, they've been in business for a long, long time. They know what they're talking about when it comes to beef. They're doing business with Mississippi State. They want to do business with you. Give them a call again, 662-418-2021. Or visit them online at facebook.com slash welcome home beef. You want to know why you should do that, Joel? Because it just tastes good. There it is.
1: Shooter McGavin would uh wash that down with a Pepsi diet. Yes.
0: <laughs> he wouldn't eat, he doesn't eat USDA Prime for breakfast. <laughs> is there a better you eat pieces of <laughs> Is there a better comeback ever than that? He completely owned it right there. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's a rewatchables on Happy Gilmore. You should you should listen to it. It's it's it it's really funny to, to relive some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't even know where, how this came up, but I, now I'm I'm really wanting to watch Happy Gilmore tonight. Yeah,
0: uh, I, I would be. Is it where is it available I streaming have, anywhere? We have to no look for clue. that. All right, second interview, Daryl Wilson, Super D. We're going to talk to him now about Mississippi State versus Connecticut, which what well, I think is such an underrated game. I guess let's talk about the Kentucky game first before we get into this interview. I guess. I'm trying to remember. You know, I'm a, I'm a little too young, which I don't get to say very often, uh, to really remember state beating Alabama in
1: 1980. Yeah, so this me, is me too. I was minus five years old.
0: Right. Your parents might remember it, uh, but I, I I this is might be the first time that I can really remember MSU beating the number one team in the nation, and, and you know, just just the way that it went down. And I'm, I I talked to coach. I asked the question about nobody believes in us. I'll go ahead and tell you that Brian Haydad didn't believe in it. Yeah. And that was a game that State was up, I think, at some point, close to 20. I know they were up 18 at one point. I never was comfortable at any point because I knew, like Coach Williams was just saying there, I knew the talent that was on that Kentucky team. A lot of guys that played in the NBA,
1: but State just
0: kept kept coming at
1: them. Yeah, and and I asked him about the earlier game in the year, and, and he mentioned that, Kentucky had what he called that Kentucky run towards the end of that game. Yeah. And you just kind of knew that was coming <laughs> over the course of this game. And uh, it, it just didn't – State was able to hold on and, and win the game and and put into motion the most memorable march in men's basketball history at this school. This is
0: the Dante Jones game. We talked on yesterday's show about how why Dante Jones could, could possibly beat Ethan Small in this – uh in this particular bracket, this game is why. Because everybody remembers him going up and down the court and just making shot after shot after shot against Kentucky in a game where, as we just said, 11 guys played in the NBA, nine of them played for Kentucky, but there was no doubt, by a large margin, the best player on the court this day was Dante Jones.
1: Yeah, and is this the night that he became officially the the Brian Haydad where he settled into the pit yeah. of your heart. Is yeah. this the night?
0: This is where I was just like, okay, that guy's the best basketball player I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, best college basketball player. Cause I didn't see Jordan in college or anything. Yeah. Especially for Mississippi state. He's the best basketball player I've ever seen. Um, so a lot of fun. No, no question about it. Let's all right. Now let's go over to, to, uh, to Daryl Wilson. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Yukon game. Again, a very underrated game, uh, a game that, you know, everybody remembers the Kentucky game. A lot of people remember the Cincinnati game. People forget about that Yukon game. Um For whatever reason, I don't know. But let's talk to Darrell Wilson about it. He's got some great memories. And he had one of his best games as a Bulldog, 27 points. uh, hit seven three-pointers in this game. Let's talk to Super D on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. We're going to have a little bit of a March Madness feel to this week's uh, Bulldog Rewinds. We've got two of them planned out uh, for the week. And our first one today, very excited to have joining us uh, for the first time here on Thunder and Lightning. Super D himself, Darrell Wilson, is going to join us to talk about the 1996 Sweet 16 game against UConn, a game that you had one of your, your better performances is. I just want to start off with this. You know, normally you think about you're playing one of the top seeds in the NCAA tournament. There's going to be a little bit of, you know, oh, I don't know, can we beat these guys? Two weeks ago you've played the, the number one team in the nation, Kentucky, and beaten them. How, how much confidence did the team have coming into this game?
3: Well, you're a competitor. So that kicks in. And, and plus, um, I don't think anyone played the game to lose. <clears throat> I know our, our team was ready. Uh, we all thought we could win. And all we wanted to do was go out and perform.
0: This game, when you just look at the box score of it, Daryl, it, it's really interesting. Can, you know, UConn was a pretty good shooting team. Obviously, Ray Allen was on that, on that squad. But they had guys who could shoot the basketball. You held them to 32% shooting for the game as a team. Was that the, you know, going into this game, was there a mindset of defensively we have to be extra tough? Because did you think that you would win a defensive game or was there a a thought that we might get into a shootout with these guys?
3: Well, really, we wanted to control the tempo of that game. Um, We know they like to get up and down the floor, like to trap and press. Um, I think Marks and I did a great job of having that full court press where it didn't even affect us at all. Um, and, like you said, I had a good night shooting the ball that night. So, with our defense, team, overall team defense, and executing our
0: offense, um, I don't think we were determined to win that game. You mentioned your, 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 the way you played that night. You know, 27 points, 7 of 11, three-point shooting. I think you hit your first five uh, from behind the arc. Most of those buckets are coming off of, a, off of a design play where you're coming around a couple of screens set by Russell Walters and Eric Dampier. Walk us through that play because that was really a bread-and-butter play of Richard Williams and his time here at Mississippi State.
3: That was a play we added to our offense um, a lot of part of the season. Michael um, Williams is a great x and o guy. Um, you're a shooter, and, and he can design something for you so fast and so quick. It just all depends on you going out execute. executing. And with that play, we had several different options. Marcus, Marcus would make the pass uh, to the five to Russell. He would cut off. Russell would swing the ball to Dante. And as that was uh, occurring, I would uh, be it come off a stagger screen from um, Russell and Eric. And... I didn't do a good job defending that play at all that
1: night. I'm just sitting here, Daryl, re- reading a recap of this game, and uh, gets down to the to the final seconds and things, and UConn has a chance to to tie the game, and I think they get up a three there at the end and don't don't make the shot. Just what do you remember the the end portion of that game and defending that shot and and, and keeping the lead and just that that whole sequence there.
3: But that. That sequence was one of those plays, but you hoping that um, <laughs> you're not on um, a highlight because we knew we had the game, we controlled the game the whole game, and to, to a player to hit a, a lucky shot at the end and you go home a loser, um, that would be a, a awful feeling. So we just wanted to come out and maintain our defense, uh, keep our hands up on the shooter space, um, and. If they did get off a shot. Just make sure it was difficult.
0: You mentioned uh, how how they like to press. UConn was known as a pressing team. They had the kind of guards who could do that. Only eight turnovers for you guys in the game, and between you and Bullard, only uh, you had five of them. But still, that's a really good game against that kind of defense. How how much was that stress in the locker room and in the in the preparation for this game? That you know, ball security is going might be what decides this game.
3: I mean, you're in the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, you're playing. Number two team in the country. Um, that says enough value in the basketball, not turn the basketball low, execute and play a great team defense. You know, that's what we were. That was our game plan, and we went out and executed our game plan.
0: You know, you weren't matched up with him head to on, head on the defensive end, but obviously, you know, playing across from Ray Allen. As a player, is there a, a, a bit of, okay, this guy is an All-American and you know everybody knows who he is, but I, I want to make my statement. I want people talking about me when we come out of this game.
3: Um, He didn't frighten me at all. I, I, I was looking forward to him um, playing against him. Um, for me, he's one of the best basketball players I've ever played against. With everything he could do with the basketball, he could make plays. He could shoot a jump shot. He could drive, pull up. I mean, he's strong. He's athletic. So, for me, he was one of the best basketball players I ever had. opportunity to play again. So, I took it as a challenge because um, I knew he was a shooter, a scorer. Um, I knew myself. I knew what I was capable of doing. So, I, of course, I did down myself. I thought I was the best shooter in the country myself. So, that was a challenge I really was looking forward to. Uh,
1: I guess, uh, right. Daryl, what's it? What has it been like? I guess what was it like then, and what is it like now to be associated with this team? Because you know, when I think back over the course of of my lifetime and things, if if you had to, ra- if I had to rank, you know, all the the top Mississippi State teams in all sports, uh, d- doesn't matter, baseball, football, basketball, what? I mean this this team is up there in that conversation for the best one of the best teams in any sport in Mississippi State history. Just as you guys are making this run and getting to the Final Four and, and just kind of the fanfare that came with that, and and now in the years since how, how you guys are kind of, you know, idolized, immortalized at Mississippi State, just what's that been like just to be associated with all that?
3: Well, like you said, you know, I'm – I gotta say, our team that '96 team was probably the best team in the history of Mississippi State. So you don't know that things like that will be said to you when you're in the, when you're playing in the moment.
1: Yeah. And, and
3: back then, you know, you're 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 playing, you're competing. Um, love to play in front of our fans, the Mississippi State family. Um, that was the most important thing. Um, and then you go back now, 25 years later. And you look back at the, at the impact what what we did. You know the first team instead of Mississippi to participate in the Final Four. Yeah. So that's a historical memory that a lot of Mississippians will remember forever. Who can remember that
0: during those times? Daryl, what what speaking of memories, and what what do you take away from not just this game, but but the whole run you guys put together in March? When, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you look back on it?
3: Losing to Syracuse.
0: Oh. <laughs> that's tough, yeah, but
3: yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's just being a high school player and anybody who plays high school and watch March Madness, or has watched March March Madness, but no March Madness right now. So that's the best of your dream, you know, to to go to the dance and to participate in Maybe the ball bounces right here have opportunity to play for it all. And, which, um, that's something that me and my teammates got to experience. Um, the fans of Mississippi State got the experience. Um, got to experience um, just the Mississippians, period. So that was just when everybody during that time, I think, was were really pulling for us because it was the first time in history.
0: One last question. Tomorrow we're going to talk to Coach Williams about the Kentucky game. What's What's one thing I should ask him that will get him riled up a little bit?
3: Uh, oh, man. <laughs> the Coach Williams now, I don't know. what a, he, I don't think he'd get too riled up. And um, then we didn't play hard. Then you probably you probably a rough feather on him. Like
0: <laughs> just that. say, like, I talked to Darren Wilson, <laughs> and he, he said that they were just so much better than Kentucky, they didn't even have to give a whole lot of effort.
3: <laughs> well, I don't think you're going to agree with me on that. One. <laughs> All right, that's my man. That's my man, Coach Williams.
0: L- we're looking forward to talking to him tomorrow. So, Daryl Williams, Daryl Wilson. I'm sorry, you got me. Richard Williams and, and Daryl Wilson happening here. Daryl Wilson, Super D. We appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on with us, and uh, we'll hope to get and talk to you again soon.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Daryl.
0: Uh-huh. All right, thanks to Super D. We appreciate his time. Of course, he's you know he's he's like us. He's got time. He's a, he's a coach now, yeah. so he's you know he's. Just sitting around with the rest of us there. That game, I've, I've told this story before, inspired a young Brian Haydad and his group of, of ruffian friends to leave Starkville in the dead of night to drive straight to Lexington, Kentucky and uh, head to the uh, and, and get tickets and go to the uh, the game against Cincinnati. Tickets weren't that expensive, as I recall, because the Georgia Tech and UConn fans were looking to unload, obviously. Yeah. Um and there's a good crowd of MSU fans. Basically, there was a whole upper section that was a lot of MSU fans. Plus, you know, you think about rivalries nowadays, and it probably wouldn't happen now, but all of the Kentucky fans that were there were cheering for Mississippi State. They, A, did not like Cincinnati, B, did not like Bob Huggins, and C, three, or C, I don't know where I was doing there. I lost track of my letters <laughs> and numbers. The third reason was that the SEC mentality was a real thing. Yeah. You know, those the, the people in blue were cheering for Mississippi State at this game, so a lot of fun, a lot of fun that was a fun trip uh, and uh, a great memory that also this game two things are, two things I remember from it uh, was one talking to Dr. Zacharias in the stands afterwards, and he was he was quite happy as you can imagine. Uh, that may have been my only conversation with the man in my life, but I had that one. And then this, all, this game also sparked my only trip to the dean of students in my time at Mississippi State. Yeah. So, have I told this story?
1: You've told it to me. I don't know if you've told it on air. I'll tell
0: it on air then. So, I went to this on this trip broke. No money. My good friend Ryan Nelson, a lot of y'all follow him on Twitter, ran a tab for me. Just took a little notebook, and every time I'd buy something, he'd write it down. Paid him back when I got paid the next week uh, at work. I had no money for the Final Four. And I was just like, I I can't do this again. Yeah. So, I was not going to go. My other friend, Brian McDuff, you may follow him on Twitter as well, was approached by some person who's like, hey, sell me your student ID so I can get tickets. I'll give you 50 bucks for it. You know, back in the day, if you lost your student ID, you just got another one. Yeah. He's like, 50 bucks? Sure. Sell the student ID. We drive back after the game, to Starkville. We didn't stay the night in Lexington. Well, I, mean, I know I'm not going to the game. And this was like one of those old, you know, t- the air conditioning, you really could, it was raining on the way home, so you couldn't really run the air conditioning, but you couldn't uh, open the windows because it was raining outside. It was super hot. I could barely sleep. I got some sleep, but I, I, you know, it was tortured. But I knew when I got home, I could just go to sleep. And my first class on Mondays, which is when we got back, was not till 1 for this spring. I I had set it up that way. So I get home, and I crash. And like at 8 o'clock, my phone rings. And they're telling me, it's my friend saying, you have to have a student ID to get a ticket for the Final Four. And McDuff doesn't have one. Will you go stand in line to go and, and get him? And I was like, okay. So I will. So I go stand. I mean, I am dead to the world man it was bad and i just stand in line and i finally get the tickets and they're like okay when you get to new york you just hand them your student id and they'll give you the ticket so i'm like i'm not going to new york so i give my id to mcduff and they go to new york and then after the final four i get a phone call this is this is uh mike white the dean of students i need you to come in and i'm you know I'm an American. I know my rights. <laughs> so I was like, I'll be honest with you. I'm probably not going to come unless you tell me why I need to be there. <laughs> He's like, it has to do with your student ID making a trip to New York. I was like, oh, okay, I'll come in. So I go in and I explain. I was like, I, and my cover was that I had got. If you're listening, Dean White, I wasn't actually sick. I told him that I had bought tickets with every intention to go, but I came down sick and I couldn't go. So I gave my tickets to my friend and he took my ID. In reality, you know, I gave him the ID because he had sold his. But I, I wasn't. Gonna, I'm no snitch. There you go. I don't it never always keep your mouth shut no, is it never on your friends and always keep your mouth shut yeah two lessons to learn and uh so if you're listening dean white or anybody i'm sorry i lied to you to your face i was not actually sick i went to the hump to watch the game with a lot of other people um but that's why so that's my story he, he bought your he reasoning? bought i'm a great liar they ask me anything i'll tell you a lie right now you'll believe it go ahead Nothing.
1: I'm just trying to
0: think of something. That, I mean, I can't believe a smart person like you can't think of something like this. I know. So yeah, I just told a lie.
1: Well, I just oh that hurts, man. <laughs> I mean, you got you're in the middle of a worldwide <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Friends like you, who the freak needs enemies. Jesus, got you good. Though. <laughs> 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 Woo! This is a fun and show. Now you're stealing my gimmick over there,
0: huh? I'm mean, like Kurt Angle when he when he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the Buddy Landale of this show. There's no question about that. All right. Uh, let's see what we'll talk about on Monday. We'll recap uh, the, the last, the, the next part of the bracket. Um, we need to talk about a couple of sports issues that have popped up. Uh, MSU basketball having a transfer, a mass exodus, uh, you know, trademark Tyler Hooker there. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit. They've uh,
1: literally had a team transfer.
0: Basically, yeah. Five guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh we got a, another positional breakdown next week we'll look at the safeties. Also don't forget today uh, a little further down the uh the feed. I've got an interview with MSU defensive coordinator Zach Arnett. We're going to talk to him, Joel and I or I think it's going to be Joel and I. It may just be me. At this time we're not sure. We'll just yeah. put it that way. But uh we are we're going to have an interview with him talking about MSU's defense and what, you know, what what the, all this uncertainty and everything is doing for spring football, what are they trying to figure out, and what, what are the coaches trying to get done? What, what can they tell the players to do? These are things that interest me. Hopefully they interest you, so you can check that out uh, today as well. Hope you guys have enjoyed this look back at March Madness uh, from Mississippi State style for Joel T.
1: Coleman. Great show today, Hey Dad. <laughs>
0: Woo! I'm Brian hey Dad. Thanks for listening. Maybe the final episode of Thunder and Lightning. <laughs> on Supertalk Mississippi.